Let us pray. Preserve me, O God, for I have put my trust in thee. Our Father, God of all glory, as we meet together this night, it is indeed with a sense of our need. We stand in need of being preserved. We do pray indeed that you will maintain us in the race that is set before us. That you would help us to fight the good fight. To be good and faithful witnesses. And we thank thee that our confidence is indeed in the God of all glory. Thou hast promised to keep your people. We have that word of assurance. I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. And so, we look unto thee this night, and ask that you would lay your hand of blessing upon our meeting, upon our time together, around your word. That you would indeed take the good seed of the word, and apply it to our hearts. We look, we look for an increase. When the seed is sown, we hope for growth. We know that this cometh from thee. Now we ask that our Saviour Thine only begotten Son may indeed be exalted in our midst this night. We ask it all in his precious holy name. Amen. Now we're in Acts chapter 2 again please. Acts chapter 2. And we read, please, verses 19 through to the end of verse 22. Acts chapter 2, verse 19. And I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vaporous smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves 
also know. Now, we come here with Peter and the disciples standing in front of this great multitude, this great crowd of devout Jews who have witnessed an amazing miracle, a miracle that caused most of them to question To ask, what meaneth this? And others mocked. He said, these are full of new wine. And Peter has responded to the mockery. Taking it as an opportunity to stand forth and declare God's word. Yes. Very briefly answered the absurd charge of drunkenness and then said that it is what was written by the prophet John about the pouring out of the Spirit. And last time when we were in Acts we we looked at verse twenty one. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that of course was in the context of the great and notable day of the Lord. Shall be saved. You see this was a crowd of devout Jews. This was a crowd of people who had an opinion of their own standing uh, before God. And Peter is going to deal with them now in the verses that lie ahead. We come tonight to verse 22. Ye men of Israel in and of itself, addressing a gathering of devout Jews. This is a very respectful form of address. He is gaining their attention. He's speaking the truth. These would indeed have seen themselves as being sons of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. They would therefore have related well to be this form of address. But if we think about that word Israel, ye men of Israel, in the scriptures, it came from a particular incident, for a particular reason, and has a special meaning. Peter is taking that word and applying it to the people. He's saying, you consider yourselves to be men of Israel? Who was that? And when was it? We find that if we turn back to Genesis chapter 32. Genesis the 32nd chapter. Remember, 
Jacob. Jacob wasn't entirely a pleasant chap to know. Jacob, who had an elder brother, Esau. Jacob, who tricked his father, telling lies. His father said to him, do you remember? Who art thou? And he said, Esau. He did so with his mother's encouragement and with his mother's help. Jacob, who was a twister. Jacob, who tried to gain the blessing by his own actions, by the ways of the world. Jacob, who then had to flee, to flee an angry brother. Jacob, who went to work for Laban. Jacob, who found a real match in his uncle Laban. Laban, who changed his wages ten times. Laban, who tricked him over his choice of a wife. And the Lord told him to leave Laban and return. And we find him here in chapter 32. He's on his way back to the promised land. And he knows that Esau is ahead of him. And he sent out messages. And in verse 6 there you see them return. And the messengers returned to Jacob saying, We came to thy brother Esau, and also he cometh to meet thee, and four hundred men with him. Verse 7, And Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. See, Jacob suddenly comes face to face with the prospect of something he can't deal with in his own strength. He splits the people up. But then, in verse 9, he begins to pray. And what a prayer. He begins by pleading the word of God. Verse 9, and Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which says unto me, Return unto thy country, and to thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies, and of all the truth, which thou hast shown unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I am become two bands. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, and from the hand of Esau. For I fear him, lest he will come and smite me, and the mother with the children. And thou saidst, I will surely do thee good, and make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. You see here there, in verse 10, Jacob, Jacob who had been grasping, Jacob who had been scheming and deceiving, is brought low. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truths. He's been brought down in humility and in dependence before the Lord. And all he can plead 
is the word of God. But when we're brought down in humility to the point where all we can do is plead the word of God, isn't that where we should be? Isn't that where God says, my strength is made perfect in weakness? This is where Jacob should have been all along. He pleads the word of God. But prayer doesn't lead to inactivity. He sends gifts ahead to Esau. Uh, but then the night came. Verse 24. And Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with man, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face. And my life is preserved. You see, Jacob then spent the night wrestling in prayer. The whole of his being was involved in this. He gained the victory. But it was a victory by grace alone. For we see there in the midst of verse 25. That the hollow of his thigh was touched. And he was put out of joint. He was crippled. Just to show his prevailing was by grace. And to help him or to remember it. But he clung on. He clung on for the blessing. And then in verse 27 we saw that, that question. That question repeated. Repeated from his experience before his father. Isaac, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. Jacob, which means supplanter. And what a terrible confession to have to make. But isn't that what the Lord would have us do? To see our own sinful natures, our own unworthiness in his sight, to recognize the deadness of the natural man. Because Jacob had prevailed, because Jacob had continued looking for the blessing, he is told in verse 28, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob. But Israel, for as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, 
and hast prevailed. There's a commentary about this in Hosea chapter 12, which you can have a look at, where we're told about his supplication. Now, the point is, when Peter said, men of Israel, and he said it to devout Jews, they knew all about old Jacob, and they knew all about new Israel, and what that meant of his standing before the Lord now there's humiliation and humility and utmost dependency Peter says man of Israel he has taken them as being the sons of Israel he is saying to them are you living up to what you claim to be This indeed was a special name. Hear these words. <coughs> Hear these words. You know, Peter wanted the people to listen. Peter encouraged the people to listen. He's challenging them to listen. There's a note in it of something that they might find difficult to take. Do we want people to listen to God's word? Do we challenge people with God's word? Do we challenge people with the gospel? You think about it, here's Peter standing up before this great crowd of devout Jews. You think about the message that he's now going to bring to them. He's very bold with it. He doesn't hold back. It's not the message the people wanted to hear. Point of fact, it's the very opposite. Peter wanted a quiet life. This is not the message he would stand up and bring. But he's very bold with it. Hear these words. You know, words... That's how God is communicated to us. We have the written word preserved to us. God saw fit to give us his truth in the form of words. Words which have meaning, words which can be understood. Sadly, we suffer from change and decay. Especially in the use of words. In our society, words change their meaning. I've heard people speak of wicked. When they mean it's something that they like. Something that they think is clever or good. There's a lot of corruption in our use of the words. So we have to be careful about the meaning of words. Especially with respect to the scriptures. But God saw fit to give us words. Words which have a meaning. 
words that we can find out the meaning of and understand and apply. Sometimes it takes hard work. The scriptures are not designed for the nursery level only. There is hard work in understanding. The Lord expects us to appreciate his word and to give it some effort. But Peter has some words here for these people. Here are these words. Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus. This is the name that was given when the angel came and spoke to Mary. He shall call his name Jesus. For for he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus which has the meaning of salvation is of the Lord. Jesus was his ordinary name. The name by which he was known. Hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth. Nazareth, that small village, not the place where he was born, but the place where he was brought up. The place that he was seen as belonging to. A small village, a place without any great history, certainly not a place recorded great words of prophecy. Remember Bethlehem was recorded that great prophecy. But Nazareth is a place despised. John chapter 1 verse 46 See, Philip has found Nathanael and verse 46 and Nathanael said unto him can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said unto him come and see. Can any can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? You see Nazareth was rather despised no one was looking for the Messiah to come from Nazareth Jesus of Nazareth you see the Lord of all glory humbled himself he was born in the stable it was shepherds who came to see him to worship he was brought up in a lowly village Throughout his life, he was but a lowly man. During his ministry, he had nowhere to lay down his head. He described himself as being worse off 
than the foxes. A lowly man. And therefore, not what people were looking for. You know, there's a challenge too when we think of the lowliness of Christ. The lowliness of his life. A challenge for the way in which we live. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, the man approved of God. A man. You know, last week we had a very profitable time looking at the divinity of Christ. But he was, of course, also man. The man who had flesh just like us. Second Timothy chapter 3. So I think that's First Timothy chapter 3 and the 16th verse. 1 Timothy 3, chapter, uh, verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Remember when we see the word mystery there, it's speaking of something that was unknown in past days. It's not a mystery today. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. God was manifest in the flesh. The Lord Jesus was a real man. Approved of God. And this word approved originally included the meaning proved. John chapter 5 verse 36 The Lord Jesus speaking said, But I have greater witness than that of John, for the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do, bear witness of me, that the Father hath sent me. You see, the Lord Jesus undertook this ministry of miracles as well as his teaching. And these were witnesses. These showed forth the approval of the Father. We go back there to First Timothy chapter 3 and the 16th verse again. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness, God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit. And that word justified there, we mustn't think of it quite in the way we perhaps normally think of it. It's showing us that he was shown to be the Son of God by the agency of the Holy Spirit. He was thus vindicated from the charges alleged against him. The Holy Spirit furnished the evidence that he was the Son of God or justified his claims. So writes Albert Barnes. Furnished the evidence that he was the Son of God. See, in his humanity, 
these great supernatural miracles showed that he was God manifest in the flesh showed that he was the Messiah showed that the claims that he made were indeed true was God manifest in the flesh justified in the spirit approved of God among you you know even from the time when he was but little his coming was not a secret do you remember there what happened those wise men came from the east and they came to inquire where is he that is born king of the Jews you see they had seen his star inquiry was made of those in Israel who knew the scriptures and they knew where Messiah would be born and they told these men where to find the Messiah there was a miraculous announcing of his birth of his coming and of course they didn't respond in faith they kept their distance whilst Herod slaughtered the children and the Lord Jesus didn't conduct his ministry in private either oh there is some parts of it that were private personal as it were but we read of him on the great feasts John chapter 2 we see in John chapter 2 in, in Jerusalem John chapter 2 Verse 13, and the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And there follows this incident of the clean cleansing of the temple, the driving out of those who were using the worship of God Almighty for their own profit, changing money. Or selling animals for sacrifice that they could guarantee would be accepted. No doubt selling them at a profit. Perhaps even an exorbitant profit. Lord Jesus described them as thieves. But you know even this was the fulfilment of the scriptures. With a seal. The seal of the Lord's house the Lord Jesus didn't meet with faith in these people 
See there, verse 17. And his disciples remembered that it was written, The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. But the Jews, and these were those at the temple, these were those who were in charge of what had been going on. What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? He cleansed the temple of these thieves, these rogues. He'd done something right and good in line with Scripture. And instead of being broken in humility, they asked for a sign. He'd just given them a sign. Which they rejected in self-righteousness. Looking to judge him instead of themselves. These were Jews at the temple inside the actual building. The court of the Gentiles most likely. Jesus speaks of his death and resurrection. In verse 23 we read Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day Many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. You see, there are miracles that the Lord Jesus did that are not written for us. John, at the end of his book, tells us he couldn't make hardly an end of writing up all that the Lord Jesus did. But we see that these people had seen the miracles. We're told many believed in his name. But verse 24, but Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man for he knew what was in man. The people liked the miracles but they hadn't grasped what the miracles meant. They hadn't heard the teaching. Hadn't listened with faith. Or they wanted entertainment or ease of living. Like the crowd that were fed with the bread. Wouldn't it be great if we could have free food every day? No work. Wouldn't it be great? They wanted the Lord Jesus as a spectacle, as an entertainment. He didn't come to entertain. He came to call sinners to repentance and faith. Our duty is not to entertain, but to declare faithfully the gospel of God in all its fullness. Declared Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Oh, you can gather a crowd. But like that crowd who were fed when the Lord Jesus began to teach, they went away. And such that the Lord Jesus said to the disciples, Will ye also go away? Will ye go away also? Brought forth that 
great compassion. Unto whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Approve to God among you by miracles and wonders and signs. This speaks of the, the supernatural power, the marveling in the mind, and the purpose for which they were done. Miracles, wonders and signs. You know, people thought that free bread was provided to fill them up. And that was what the Lord Jesus had come for. But it wasn't. Lord Jesus had to speak to them on the subject. John chapter 6 and the 26th verse. Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me, not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. You see, Yes, they knew there had been a miracle. But they didn't see what it meant. They didn't see what its purpose was. It didn't bring them down low before Christ. They didn't have a sense of his exaltation and their own lowliness. They just wanted the bread Christ's miracles were done with a purpose to show forth that he was approved of God and he was indeed the Messiah by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him. Which God did by him in the midst of you as you yourselves also know. We just have a look please back to John chapter 2. John chapter 3, perhaps the first verse there. We've seen there that many believed. But Jesus didn't commit himself to them. Chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Now it would seem that Nicodemus was one of these that we've seen there at the end of chapter 2. One of these who believed. But he takes it a step further. Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, a member of the Sanhedrin, 
Nicodemus, a man who was skilled and knowledgeable in the Word of God. You see, when the Lord Jesus came, when the Lord Jesus preached, when he carried out these great, mighty miracles, It went right to the top in the land. It was known about. And it was known about so much that Nicodemus, one of the Sanhedrin, even approached him privately with an inquiry. And we see him here speaking respectfully to the Lord Jesus. Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these things that thou doest, except God be with him. This doesn't suggest or mean that it was the Sanhedrin that sent him, that it was the Sanhedrin that, that understood what the Lord Jesus was all about. No, it's the people, referred to at the end of chapter 2, that it was most likely this refers to. Nicodemus was one of them. He's come to the Lord Jesus. But he doesn't get as far as asking this question. The Lord Jesus cuts him off. Remember, the Lord Jesus knows his heart, knows his question. And this is Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, a man who's skilled in the word of God, in the law of God. Nicodemus cuts him off. Verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You see, the Lord Jesus is saying, it's, it's not good enough just being a devout Jew. It's not good enough being a teacher of the law. It's not good enough being a member of the Sanhedrin. You've got to be changed inwardly. All these externals count for nothing. You need a work of the Holy Spirit. You've got to be brought low like Jacob was. You've got to receive that new name like Jacob did. You've got to be made new to be born again. Have that inward change. You know, the Lord Jesus dealt directly with the problem that Nicodemus really had, rather than whatever the question was that Nicodemus would have asked. We have here Peter has declared openly the name of Jesus in the city where they had cried, Crucify him, crucify him. Only 50 days earlier. Now he is telling them that they must believe on the name of Jesus to be saved. That's what his message is all about. This is boldly preaching God's word at the point where it is most in question. 
Isn't that what we need to do today? We live in a land and in an age where parts of God's word have been written off or thrown away. And everything is compromise. Everything is joined together at the lowest common denominator. We need to earnestly contend for the faith. We need to clearly preach the word of God at that point where it is most under attack. And we have that gospel, that glorious message, which is the only hope for our land today. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. He applied it to their hearts to bring them unto conviction. It was undeniable Jesus had carried out miracles. It was undeniable they knew about it. It was the talk of all the Jews while it happened. Even the ones who hadn't been there when the Lord was crucified would have heard of it. Peter applied God's word faithfully. So must we. Amen. Let us pray. Now, Father, we do indeed thank Thee for this great example of Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. How he stood up with the eleven disciples, the eleven apostles, and faithfully proclaimed Thy word calling sinners to repentance and faith. Now we do pray that you'll take your word this night, apply it to our hearts, that we might receive it faithfully and live it out day by day. Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>